You're listening to the Redeeming Grace Church podcast. For more information about our church, go to rgcrc.org. You all got quiet really nicely there. All right, welcome to Redeeming Grace Church and our Good Friday service tonight. We uh, exist to enjoy, display, and share God's redeeming grace with the world. I'm Pastor Josh, and thanks for taking a few moments for us to spend um, some time just reflecting on the crucifixion of Jesus uh, in this Good Friday. That's what we celebrate with millions of other Christians around the world right now, uh, this this day where we um, think about Christ's crucifixion and the and the significance of that for us. And so uh, hopefully you have a little half sheet um, that you were handed on your way in. That'll just give you a little bit of an understanding of what we're doing today. Uh, this is a family service, so it's okay that kids are in here. We don't have any child care, so, but it, it'll be a shorter service. So we don't mind the kids' sounds at all. That's wonderful. Um, our plan for our time tonight is to reflect deeply on the crucifixion of Jesus, and so what we'll do is we'll sing some very cross-focused songs tonight, so use the songs, and as we sing them, meditate deeply on the meaning of the cross and what's being communicated through the songs. We're going to read through the crucifixion account in three different sections uh, from three, three different um, uh, women are going to read those sections, and what I want you to think about is, uh, is four transforming encounters that are happening in the book of Luke. That There are four characters that, uh, that encounter the crucifixion on this surprising day, and they're never the same. One is the criminal Barabbas in verses 18 through 25, the crucified thief next to Jesus in verses 39 through 43, the calloused executioner who, as Jesus dies, makes a remarkable statement in verses 44 through 47, and then the covert follower, Joseph, who receives Jesus' body. So I want you to think about those characters and the transformation that they experience on this by beholding and encountering the crucifixion. And uh, that, that'll be where we're going tonight. So if you would join me in prayer, we'll get started. Oh God, we come together tonight to reflect deeply on a, a deeply evil event, the murderous lynching of the God-man Jesus Christ on a Roman cross, and yet at the same time, in the same event, we reflect deeply on the greatest good that has ever happened, that sinners like us might have our crimes against a holy, infinite God paid for. Oh God, open our eyes to see what is really happening in the crucifixion event, open our eyes to receive it by faith, and experience the transformation that you intend to do in us through it. We give you our full attention Show us wonderful things in your word tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand and let's sing.
Our first reading tonight is Luke 23, 1 through 25. Then the whole company of them arose and brought before him Pilate, or brought him before Pilate, and they began to accuse him, saying, We found this man misleading our nation and and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar, and saying that he himself is Christ, a king. And Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, You have said so. Then Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowds, I find no guilt in this man. But they were urgent, saying, He stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea from Galilee even to this place. When Pilate heard this, he asked whether the man was a Galilean, and when he learned that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him over to Herod, who was himself in Jerusalem at that time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad, for he had long desired to see him, because he had heard about him, and he was hoping to see some sign done by him. So he questioned him at some length, but he made no answer. The chief priests and the scribes stood by, vehemently vehemently accusing him, and Herod with his soldiers treated him with contempt and mocked him. Then, arraying him in splendid clothing, he sent him back to Pilate. And Herod and Pilate became friends with each other that very day, for before this they had been at enmity with each other. Pilate then called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people and said to them, You brought me this man as one who was misleading the people. And after examining him before you, behold, I did not find this man guilty of any of your charges against him. Neither did Herod, for he sent him back to us. Look, nothing deserving death has been done by him. I will therefore punish and release him. But they all cried out together, Away with this man, and release to us Barabbas, a man who had been thrown into prison for an insurrection started in the city and for murder. Pilate addressed them once more, desiring to release Jesus. But they kept shouting, Crucify! Crucify him! A third time he said to them, Why? What evil has he done? I have found in him no guilt deserving death. I will therefore punish and release him. But they were urgent, demanding with loud cries that he should be crucified. And their voices prevailed. So Pilate decided that their demand should be granted. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, for whom they asked, but he delivered Jesus over to their will. Oh, 
I will continue reading um, Luke 23, verses 26 through 43. And as they led him away, they seized one Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. And there followed him a great multitude of the people, and a women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren, and the wombs that never bore, and the breasts that never nursed. When they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him, and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments, and the people stood by watching. But the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourselves. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourselves and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise.
The scripture is Luke 23, continuing on with verse 44 through verse 56. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home, beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. Now there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. He was a member of the council, a good and righteous man who had not consented to their decision and action, and he was looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down and wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid him in a tomb cut in stone, where no one had ever yet been laid. It was the day of preparation, and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments, on the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandment. Okay, thank you. You can be seated. I think there's power in just reading the word and just hearing and hearing the crucifixion account read to us is is uh, is good for our souls in and of itself. Um, I, I'm, I suppose that all of you can think back to a day, a day that maybe you didn't expect that changed your life completely, just transformed everything. You woke up that day, it was a normal day, but then something happened. Something happened, either good or bad, that your life has never been the same since. And uh, there's no day that, uh, that we have ever been through that would compete with this particular day. This day transformed the world. This is uh, this and the resurrection are two of the most significant days in human history that the world did not expect to happen. And uh, if you just think about Passion Week, the Holy Week, and all of the tremendous things that happened, uh, we have a city packed full of people, hundreds upon hundreds of thousands of people packed into little Jerusalem. Uh, there's all kinds of tension, there's all kinds of ceremonies and religious rituals that are being observed, and Jesus walks right into the middle of it. He comes in riding on a donkey with people chanting and cheering him as the Messiah. He overturns tables in the temple, calling it his father's house and just completely upsetting the system. And then throughout the week, he has these on Thursday night, he has these religious trials. He's arrested and then a government trial. And it's just bananas. It's just so intense, so crazy, so uh, electric, uh, all of these events that are happening prior to Good Friday and then on Good Friday. And then on top of that, you have the crucifixion. And at the crucifixion, we have creation itself responding to the death of the Son of God. The whole, it goes dark from noon until 3 p.m., just dark everywhere. There's an earthquake. Uh, the earth itself trembles at the death of the Son of God to the point that the temple itself splits it fractures, the veil is torn, and the veil is 60 feet high, 30 feet wide, and 4 inches thick. That's quite a curtain. And it's torn in half from top to bottom, symbolizing that the way to God is made open. Uh, dead people actually come out of the tombs. Uh, as Jesus breathes his last, there's just this shock effect that brings dead people to life, and they wander around for a while. 
So this is a day that no one was expecting, particularly the four characters that I want you to notice today. And I think these four characters are in the story because it's a true story. They really were impacted by this. But I think these four characters also tell us how we should encounter the cross, how we should encounter the crucifixion. I think these four characters that get transformed in ways they did not expect, they did not expect their Friday to go this way, I think it tells us a little bit of what Jesus is accomplishing on the cross. I think Luke is telling us these stories, including these characters, so that we would know what to do with Jesus when we encounter him on Good Friday. So that's what I want us to think about for just a few minutes. Luke teaches us how to properly respond to our encounter of the cross today. These things that happen in these four characters' life are the same thing that people are experiencing for centuries when they come to Jesus Christ and come to be impacted, come to encounter His cross. Encounter number one is the criminal Barabbas. The criminal Barabbas in verses 18 through 25. Barabbas is a terrorist. He is in jail because he has committed insurrection against Rome. He has murdered people. He is a terrorist. He would fit the mold of a terrorist. And he's in jail rightly for his crimes. And things get so crazy that the crowd and Pilate himself, who on these feast days for, Jew, for, for the Jewish people, there would be one person that's released at Passover. And he offers him over. The, the crowds demand Barabbas. And it's just, it's just bewildering to think that people would take the good Jesus and trade him for a terrorist. We would rather the terrorist go free than the Son of God be free. And this criminal Barabbas has no idea that this is what, what is about to happen to him. It says that they all cried together, verse 18, away with this man and release to us Barabbas. Give us the terrorist. A man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection started in the city. Pilate addressed them once more, desiring to release Jesus, he kept, but they kept shouting, crucify, crucify him. A third time he said to them, why, what evil has he done? I have found no guilt deserving death. I will therefore punish and release him. But they urged him, demanding with loud cries, let he should be crucified and their voices prevailed. So Pilate decided that their demand should be granted, and then we get this great switch. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, the person deserving of crucifixion, for whom they had asked, and he delivered Jesus over to their will, an innocent, righteous man in the place of a sinner. And so we get a picture here of substitution, a free pardon, that Barabbas didn't expect, didn't earn, didn't deserve, and yet was offered to him. This substitution that he will take your death sentence and you will go free. And so the criminal Barabbas tells us a little bit about what Jesus is doing for each and every one of us, is that criminals get to go free because Jesus takes their place. A free pardon, a substitution, an atonement in their place. Jesus will pay the fine. So the criminal Barabbas receives a free pardon. Then we have encounter number two, the crucified thief. Two thieves are crucified on either side of Jesus, and they're, they're dying. They're in the process of dying along with Jesus on either side of him. And at one point, they're both mocking Jesus. So if you can just imagine, they're up on the cross, they're hanging, they're grasping for every breath. Crucifixion is a slow suffocation. That's actually what kills you. Is just You lose strength to lift yourself up and down to breathe on these nails. And they're using their valuable breath to criticize Jesus, which just tells you how much Jesus was hated, even by those that were being crucified next to him, until all of a sudden, one of them, through seeing the crucifixion of Jesus, begins to be transformed. 
And he begins to take a different perspective. He encounters the crucifixion differently and he's changed on the cross while he's gasping for breath. His opinion, his perspective on Jesus changes even on his deathbed, even on this cross. One of the criminals who railed at him said, hey, are you not the Christ? Save yourself. And the other rebuked him saying, do, not, do you not fear God? You and I are under the same sentence of condemnation and we justly, we deserve to be on these crosses, but he does not. He's righteous. We indeed justly, for we're receiving the due reward for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. So he's confessing his own sins publicly and saying, this is an innocent one. We should treat him with greater reverence and respect because there's something huge going on right between us. And one of the criminals gets it. And listen to what he says. He says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. So the first encounter, a criminal Barabbas gets a free pardon. Second encounter, a crucified thief gets immediate access to the kingdom of God. Today you will be with me in paradise. And so we learn that at the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, a way, an access point is opened up. Jesus is granting access to himself, to God, to paradise. On the cross, there is immediate access offered to criminals. So we have a criminal Barabbas, a free pardon. We have a crucified thief receiving immediate access into the kingdom of God based on a humble request. Encounter number three in verses 44 through 47, we have a calloused executioner. We have a calloused executioner. We have a centurion who is a professional killer. He probably does crucifixions almost every day. Like he has seen people die in every single way possible. This is what he does. This is his job. Crucifixion is just, this is just another day of crucifixion. He gets out of bed that morning, just another day of crucifixions. And it says that as he observes all of these things that happen, all of these supernatural phenomenon, all the things that Jesus says, he's got a front row seat. He's standing at the foot of the cross, experiencing, witnessing everything that happens that you read in the gospel accounts. And then when it comes to the point of Jesus' death, this is what happens. It says, Then Jesus calling out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. And Jesus dies. Now, when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, certainly this man was innocent. There's no evidence that this executioner worshipped God before, but seeing the death that happened just a few feet away from him caused him to worship God. Being this close to the crucifixion transformed him, made him a God worshiper. Matthew 27 records it this way. says, when the centurion and those who were with him keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what had taken place, they were filled with awe or reverence. And they said, truly, this is the Son of God. Amazing. That encountering Jesus' death on the cross, seeing Him breathe His last, seeing all the things that happened, they were convinced that this was God that they had just experienced. It says that He praised God. What an odd time to praise God in an execution. But he praised God and go, this man was innocent. This was the Son of God. I have never seen a death like this. This was a cosmic, supernatural, divine death that just happened here. And I was next to it. And he praised God. He was transformed. He was given a worshipful heart. Encounter number four, in verses 50 through 53, we have this man named Joseph, 
who's part of the council. He's part of the religious elite. He's part of the Sanhedrin. And it says that he's a good and righteous man. But John, the, the John account, John 19, tells us that he followed him secretly, fearing what other people would think, fearing that he would be put out of his place of religious, um, of religious priority. So he's a religious leader, and he did not consent to the crucifixion of Jesus, but he's, but he's hidden. He's hidden his respect for Jesus. And now seeing Jesus die, he's willing to publicly identify himself with Jesus because he requests the body. He requests the body and puts him in his own tomb, puts him in his own honored tomb. He is uniting his identity now going forward. This Jesus, this crucified Messiah, this fail, this, what looks like a total failure, Joseph is now willing to publicly identify himself in a way that he never was willing to before. He followed Jesus. He was a good and just man, but he was unwilling to be public about it. He was a covert follower of Jesus. And now at the crucifixion of Jesus, encountering Jesus' crucifixion, he's willing to publicly identify himself with Jesus, identify his family like this is where Jesus is buried. He's buried in our family tomb. There's this connection now that he is now willing to be a publicly identified with Jesus, even though Jesus at this point is dead. And so you see a transformation to where he's willing to be identified with him. So we see in criminal Barabbas a free pardon, forgiveness. The crucified thief receives immediate access into paradise. The calloused executioner receives a worshipful heart. And now this cowardly, I'm sorry, this covert, maybe cowardly, covert follower of Jesus gets a new public identity, a boldness to be identified with Jesus in this public way. And so now we can think about those four things or what's happening at the cross. There is forgiveness, there is access, there is a change of heart, and there's a new identity that comes with those who encounter the crucifixion of Jesus, who really see it for what it is. There's a whole lot of people that missed it, but these four got it. These four noticed it. These four were impacted by it. And so this Good Friday, you right now, through God's word, have encountered Jesus and his cross, and the question is, will you too be transformed? Will you too be transformed in one or all of these four ways? Will you, like Barabbas, receive free pardon for all of your sin? Freely offered to you. Barabbas did not earn it. He couldn't purchase it. It simply was applied to him at Christ's expense. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might have the righteousness of God. The switch, the substitution that Barabbas experienced physically is exactly what Jesus offers to each one of us spiritually. That our crimes against a holy God can be forgiven and pardoned because they've been laid on Jesus Christ. His righteousness for your sin is the trade that's on the table. Will you receive the free pardon for your sin purchased at the cross? Or, and... Will you, like the thief, humbly gain immediate access to the king and his kingdom? Romans 10, 13 says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, even a thief on a cross in his final breath. He's got no way of making any of his crimes right. He's got no opportunity to go do good things. He can't go do religious stuff. He's about to die in just a few minutes. He has nothing to contribute. He humbly asks Jesus, Will you remember me in your kingdom? And that humble request, Jesus goes, yes, today you're with me in paradise. Immediate access by grace to God, to his kingdom, to Christ himself. Will you, like the executioner, be transformed into a worshiper of God? Doubting Thomas in just a few days, 
He says, I, unless I see Jesus and can touch his side, I won't believe that he's resurrected. And then when Jesus appears to him, he cries out, my Lord and my God. And that's similar to what happens to the executioner. He begins to praise God going, truly, this was the Son of God. This encounter with the crucifixion changed him into a worshiper of God, a public confessor of Jesus Christ and who Jesus is. Number four, will you like Joseph boldly live identified with Jesus no matter what the cost. Paul says in Galatians 6.14, Far be it from me that I should boast in anything except the cross of Jesus Christ. What a weird thing to say. A, a public execution device. A horrible bloody cross. Paul goes, I want to be identified with that. I want to be identified with the bloody Messiah. The God-man who died for me. Far be it from me that I should boast in anything except the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So with Christ, I have died. I am united with Him in His death and His burial and His resurrection. I I cling to that. I find my identity in that. Joseph was willing to take Jesus into his own tomb and be identified with Jesus forever. Will you boldly identify yourself with Jesus no matter the cost? So the crucifixion of Jesus on Good Friday accomplished four things. A penalty forever paid a paradise forever gained, a heart forever changed, and an identity forever sustained. That's what's happening at the cross of Jesus Christ. That's what's happening when you encounter it. That's what we see happen in each one of these characters, and that's what can happen for you. And so I want to give you just a moment in silence to bow your heads, to maybe in your own mind picture the crucifixion, uh, picture the events, maybe look at your Bibles, and just take a minute right now, a minute or two right now, to ask God to transform you, for you to see clearly what God has done for you in Christ and to receive what He has purchased for you at the cross. Let me just give you a moment to just reflect, to confess sin, to extend praise to God. Whatever it is, whatever business you need to do with God, encounter the cross tonight and be transformed. Let's bow and I'll give you a moment before I pray for you to just pray and do business with God right now. Oh God, we have read in your word this detailed account of the crucifixion. It matches up historically. It names names. It seems so stunning and overwhelming. And God, we thank you that you, even in that moment, were transforming people picturing and preserving through your word the transformation that would happen to people down through the centuries and now is available to us. A criminal Barabbas freely pardoned, a crucified thief given immediate access, a calloused executioner given a worshipful heart, and a covert follower given a new bold identity. 
And God, we ask that you would do that with us today. May we encounter the crucified Christ. May we encounter the cross and walk out of here changed. For those of us that are followers of Christ, may we just marvel at what you've given to us and may we just dive more deeply into these realities that you've given us. If we've not yet fully submitted ourselves, not fully put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that even now we would be considering that. That we would surrender ourselves to the crucified and risen Savior, Jesus Christ, and experience the transformation that we are promised in the Scriptures. We ask that you would do this work in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand and let's sing one more song.
right, thanks for being with us here today. We will look at um, Luke chapter 24 on Sunday, and so we invite you to come back for Easter Sunday this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. We have an Easter egg hunt for the kids. You can see there's lots of kids around. We're going to give them a chance to run around and find some eggs at 10 o'clock, so if you want to come early for that, but we will kind of close tonight thinking deeply about the fact that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was crucified. How horrible and awful And yet how glorious for sinners that they can be pardoned. And so as we think about the solemn weightiness of Christ crucified, we then wait in anticipation for the glorious resurrection that's coming Sunday. And so uh, we do want to kind of leave in kind of a somber, thoughtful, reflective um, spirit tonight as we think about just how weighty and significant the crucifixion really was. So We welcome you back on Sunday to see uh, the good news of the gospel uh, revealed through the resurrection of Jesus. Um, But until then, let's reflect deeply on the crucifixion and the burial of Jesus. And so um, there are cards around. If you have a prayer request, I'll be available if you want to pray or talk through or have any questions about anything. Uh, Otherwise, you are dismissed. Thank you for listening to the Redeeming Grace Church podcast. For more information about our church, go to rgcrc.org.